0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit echoeygt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at echoeygt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Today we continue our sermon series in the book of Ecclesiastes, the sayings of Ecclesiastes, practical advice for living. So go ahead and turn with me to chapter 5. Chapter 5. The background to the book of Ecclesiastes is it's a group of reflections of an old wise man. And the Hebrew word is Koheleth, Traditionally identified as Solomon who looks back on the search for satisfaction and meaning in life. So the sayings or the book of Ecclesiastes presents the wisdoms and teachings of Koheleth. And Koheleth examines various areas of life as he attempts to determine what has lasting value for humanity. Then out of profound disillusionment over humanity's limitation, Koheleth points to the need to be satisfied with Our portion. The book concludes with the admonition to fear God and keep his commands. So today we're going to turn to chapter 5 and there are three things or three topics that we will identify out of this chapter. Let's begin by reading verse 7. Reading out of the New Living Translation, it says, talk is cheap. Amen? Talk is cheap. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, talk is cheap. cheap. Show me the money. (laughs) Like daydreams and other useless activities, fear God instead. Write this for point number one, empty words. Empty words. Now this verse seems to be a summary statement to the previous six verses. And as you read the, the previous six verses, you, you come to understand the subject is how one approaches worship. How one comes to the house of God. How one approached the temple. Realizing the context is in Judaism how one approached the temple on a daily basis as they brought sacrifices. The implication is, is that talk alone is no, of no use. You've got to take action. You've got to put your plans into action. Implementation is the key to success. So the writer, Koheleth, he, he says, listen, all of your talk Is nothing. It is cheap. As you enter the house, look at verse 1. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. (laughs) It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Now understand the, the context. Many words does not constitute true worship. So so let's let's put this in today. Just singing a song does not constitute worship. It's got to come from the hearts. It's 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 more than just the words you say. It's got to it's got to have meaning. To Let me read this out of the Old English, the New King James. Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to here rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. So the, the writer is talking about the quality of uh, our approach. Let me give you this important note. It is not only our attendance... But the quality, the how, we come or we approach. The quality, that's a great word to to really put down in your notes. The quality of how we approach. Your approach is important. Now, the author is not rejecting sacrifice, He clearly declares that the primary purpose should be to worship. Sacrifice is a part, and he's referring to animal sacrifice. It was a part of worship, but but more so than that, it was to approach with a heart to listen. What is God saying to you today? What is God saying to you now? These words you sing to the songs week after week after week, is it just rote? Is it just routine? Is it just another song, Or is it coming from the heart? Is it expressing your desires from your heart? See, how you enter, how you approach God is so important. Now, notice the phrase, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Draw near to hear than rather give sacrifice to fools. So the Hebrew word means more than just to hear. It means to obey. It means to understand. Carl Schultz in his commentary writes this. The sacrifice refers to an offering which was not totally consumed on the altar but which provided a meal. So the worshiper would bring the the sacrifice. The priests would go through the, the proper routine, and they would offer the sacrifice, but then it was not totally consumed. There was a meal to be enjoined. There was a sacrificial meal that had significance that was to take place. But they were doing this lightheartedly. They were doing this more out of a social obligation. It became more of a social club than it became an act of worship. See, church is more than just a social gathering. Church is the living organism of the Lord our God. It's where the Spirit of God dwells. You are the church. When we come together, our approach is so important. He continues to write, the ejection voiced is perhaps against the festive motivation that prompted the sacrifice and the meaningless and careless performance of that sacrifice. And he writes, the sacrifice is legitimate. The problem is the offer. The problem is the one bringing it, the attitude, the heart. You know, Jesus often criticized the Pharisees, the religious community, He says, you offer these long prayers. You say these long uh, prayers, all these words, and you think because of your words, God is hearing you, but your heart is far. See, it's not in the multiplication of the words we use. It's not the how many words. Sometimes you can be silent in the presence of God and you're doing more in worship than by the things you say. Write this under B. Take action. Obedience is what God is looking for. More so than meaningless words. It's not the multiplication of our language, of our words, which matters. The actions that we take. So let me give you a a biblical example. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. You have the story of King Saul. King Saul had... a. A word from the Lord but he didn't obey and he said you know what I'm gonna keep some of this lamb and I want to keep some of these sheep I want to offer it to the Lord but really he had a problem of disobedience the Lord wanted everything to be given to him everything to be destroyed but Samuel kept the best of the land and then to make matters worse he used to the excuse well I'm doing this because I wanted to give it to the Lord How many times have we tried to cover up our own misgivings and we spiritualize it by saying, well, the Lord told me? How many times have we done that? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings or a sacrifice or your obedience to his voice? listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Obedience. It's not that sacrifice isn't good. It's not that the offering of the fat of rams was not not important. It was, but it was to be offered with the heart that was right, with the heart of obedience, with the heart of desiring, Lord, here I am, take all of me. And church, we sing songs every week. We come to the house. It's not our attendance that justifies us before God. It's our faith, our relationship with him. It's when you and I come together. Yes, there's sacrifice involved, but he must have our heart. We must leave here transformed by his word. Can you say amen? In the book of Hosea chapter 6, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, the Lord is speaking. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I want you to know me more. God wants you to know him. I love the words of the apostle Paul, Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection yes our sacrifice is good it is also needful but not separated from the heart not separated from the will what god is looking for is obedience he's looking for you he wants you to know him he wants you to experience him and then The writer of ecclesiastes he said hey talk is cheap like daydreams and other useless activities fear god instead to fear god is to walk in his ways to fear god is to declare his goodness to others to fear god is to remember where he has brought you from Has God been good to you? Has God done some powerful things in your life? Aren't you thankful for where he's brought you from? See, to fear God is to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Listen to what Micah chapter 6 says. Micah 6 verse 6. What can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? No, O people. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is what the Lord... Once from you. Now we're going to look at another verse in this same chapter, verse 15. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty handed as the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. I tell you what, just give it to the church. That funeral will write you a check. You cash it when you get there. Oh, come on. That was funny. Oh, my Lord. I'm giving up jokes. I am not going to do a joke again. You guys are tough. Woo. My Lord, come on. Write this under A. The buck stops here. The buck literally stops here. (laughs) That's funny. I don't care. (laughs) It gets better. Just hold on. You know, it has been said, you can, you have never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. The writer of Ecclesiastes says something simple but profound. And we really need to hear it. We cannot take our riches with us. Write this word, insatiable. I'm saying it wrong, but my wife's already corrected me. I can't say, I say insatiable. It's insatiable, which means this. An appetite or desire that is incapable of being satisfied. It describes our culture. Getting what they want, wanting more. Not being satisfied with what they have. Always needing, always grasping, always clinging for more. If you look at verse 10 and verse 11 in this same same passage that's dealing with Verse 15, it says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people will come to help you spend it. How many can testify? So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Now, the implication is this. Wealth alone cannot bring one happiness and joy. Now, this follows on the teaching, on the heels of the importance of how one approaches God. And I think it's important to understanding the true value of wealth. Wealth is not the problem. It's when we make the wealth the main thing. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have nice things. God wants you to prepare for your retirement years. God wants you to be blessed. But there's responsibility that comes with your blessing. The New Testament talks about the love of money. The Apostle Paul said, the love of money is the root of all evil. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, Let's read this verse in context. We began reading in verse six. It says, true godliness with contentment is, is itself great wealth. Godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we cannot take anything with us when we leave it. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long... To be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Jesus said, Matthew records in chapter 6, verse 24, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And I think that kind of puts everything in context, even to what Ecclesiastes is saying. The money's not going to bring you happiness. What's going to bring you happiness and contentment is a right relationship with the Father through his Son, Christ. Christ jesus said you cannot serve god and be enslaved to money so jesus is not talking about money being wrong or evil or even bad the word of god is filled with examples of faith-filled people who were wealthy and they had great influence i mean it's filled with examples of people who were rich And Jesus is talking, though, about being enslaved to money instead of using one's wealth for the kingdom of God. There's a paradigm shift. Yes, be blessed, but don't be enslaved to that wealth. Realize God has blessed you to be a blessing to the kingdom. Let's look at Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 16 It has some of the same words as Matthew. In verse 13, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, notice verse 14, because this describes the people he was addressing. Notice it says, The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all of this and scoffed at him. Who dearly loved his money some of the most harsh words Jesus ever used was to the Pharisees the Pharisees was a religious sect the religious leaders of the day see they failed to realize that the position God had placed them in was a position to influence others and to do good instead they fell in love with their position more than their King don't fall in love with your position stay in love with your King realize God has given you wealth use the wealth for the kingdom of God God is the giver and the taker God has blessed enjoy the blessings of the Lord but realize there's responsibility That goes with them. So let's talk about a biblical view. A biblical view of wealth. A biblical view of money. The word of God speaks of you as a steward. A steward is a manager. You've been given something and you're responsible to make sure it's taken care of. And guess what? The owner of it all is going to come back one day. (laughs) And he's looking for a harvest. He's looking for product. He's looking for for an advantage. He's looking for a return on his investment. Don't be fooled. You will be judged. Don't be fooled. You you will stand before Christ. Now, you're not going to be judged because of sin because that's already been judged in the cross of Calvary. But God's given you wealth. God's given you blessings. How have you used the blessings for his kingdom? How have you used the blessings what God has given you to advance the calls of the kingdom of God on the earth. How have you blessed his church? Now write this under small letter two, B2, treasures in heaven. The word of God talks about you being a steward, be a good steward. Moreover, it's required of a steward to be found faithful. Now write this, treasures in heaven. Going back to Matthew 6 to verse 19, Jesus said, don't store up, Treasures on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them where thieves break in and steal store Your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal Wherever your treasure is there The desires of your heart will be also So let me ask a rhetorical question. What are you working for? What is important in your life? Material things or family money or friends? I think a great question for all of us to ask is, what am I building here? Am I investing in things that will outlive me? If the Lord tarries another 50, 100 years, listen, what we're doing today is going to matter. Are we investing in things that's going to outlive us? Why do we believe in missions? Why do we believe in building facilities in church? Because because if the Lord tarries and I go by the grave, you go by the grave, Glad Tidings is still going to be here proclaiming the word of God. That church you built in Ecuador is still going to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Bible you translated into the Pajami language is still going to be giving life to those who read it. That Bible you're translating now into the hate. Creole language is going to continue to be preached and people will come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lay up treasures in heaven because if the Lord tarries, we have to invest in things that's going to keep producing for the kingdom of God. Now, there's another thing I see here in this Verse. That maybe, maybe you miss. In verse 11, it says, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. I think this verse is telling us, build authentic relationships. Sometimes a part of the folly of riches is, your relationships become based on things, good times, parties, And not substance. Who are the friends that's there when things turn south? Who are the friends that are there that keep checking on you, that keep loving you when mistakes abound around you? What happens when the money runs out? So Spend time building authentic relationships. Spend time building real, genuine relationships, one with the other. And can I, can I just be honest with you? Relationships are two-way. Even when it comes to the church, it's two-way. Often we come to church with a consumer mentality, what the church can do for me. Let me tell you what the enemy's doing during this season. He is separating, isolating people, and people are walking with offense because, well, they don't just call me. They don't check on me. They don't do this. They don't do that, and they get offended, but relationships are two-way. They go both ways. Don't wait for somebody to go deep with you. Say, you know what? I'm going to go deep with you. I'm going to refuse to be offended, and I'm going to walk in authenticity because God's placed me here. God's called me here, and I'm going to keep going. Going in the name of Jesus. Wow. Let me tell you something. You're not the only one walking through a pandemic. Oh, I'm on my soapbox. Come on. Build authentic relationships. Brings us to our third and final point. Look at verse 19. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. So, wealth is not bad, it's good. Listen what it says It's a good thing to receive wealth from God and good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. Enjoy, accept. Now, notice verse 20. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time brooding over the past. Write this for point three. Live in the present. Enjoy. Enjoy where you are and enjoy what you have. Notice in your notes, write this, life at best is short. Don't be so consumed with building one's life that you miss the journey. Life is short. The old farmer says, you got to stop and smell the roses, the flowers, because life is short. Don't be so consumed with your own life, with everything around you that you Miss the journey. God wants you to enjoy life. Now notice the word accept. The second part of verse 19 says, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this indeed is a gift from God. The word accept in the Hebrew means to take, to accept in the sense of to lift up. To take it to yourself. To willingly receive something given or offered. Take what God has given you and do something with your life. Can I read this out of the paraphrase just for a moment? The message says, we should make the most of what God gives. Both the bounty and the capacity to enjoy it. Accepting what's given and delighting In the work. Accept what is given. Quit comparing your life. Quit looking at what you don't have. Quit looking at your past and seeing all the mistakes. Quit brooding over the past. Quit dwelling over the past. Some of us can't drive forward because we're looking in the rearview mirror. Quit brooding over yesterday and live in the moment. James, the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, And I remind you, James, when when Christ walked on the earth, his brothers didn't believe in him. Matter of fact, his brothers thought he had some mental health problems. He had lost his mind. It was not till after the resurrection that they came to faith and knowing that he really was the son of God. He's their savior. James writes this in his book, James 1 verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from. To us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Hear me, receive it, enjoy it, accept it. Write this under C Don't look back and miss today. Don't look back and miss today. Going back to verse 20 in Ecclesiastes 5, God keeps such people so busy enjoying life when they enjoy and accept it. He keeps them so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. So many of us are stuck in yesterday, we're stuck in the past. Live in the moment, live today, live and enjoy what God has given you write this for the last fill in the blank how many times do people get caught living in the past they rehash yesterday and they fail to see today they fail to see today because they're rehashing yesterday you know what you've made some mistakes i've made some mistakes We've all taken some wrong paths, but God, in His grace and mercy, has gotten us back on the right path. Quit brooding over yesterday. Quit rehashing yesterday's mistakes and live for today. Live in the moment. God's got something great for you. Another thing that happens is futility. I mean, it's vain, vanity of all vanities. Is we compare ourselves and we say, Well, look what I got. I don't have as much as this one's got. Enjoy what God has given you, accept what the lot that God has appropriated to your life. There is joy abounding around you. Step into that joy, live in the moment. When we put God first, when we live with him at the center of our life, then we will make the most of every opportunity. We will make the most of every opportunity, whether our time here is short or long. And we will not brood over yesterday's spilled milk, but we will enjoy the goodness of God that is right in front of us now, today. So live life with no regrets live life with no regrets except the lot that god has given to you it is your portion and begin to take ownership of it and say i am his and he is mine i am my beloved and my beloved is mine he loves me with an everlasting love he has not changed he's the same yesterday today and forever i'm going to enjoy the blessings of god i'm going to count this Joyful for joyful. Good for good. Because he's merciful. He's good. He's faithful. Somebody give him praise today. Somebody exalt him.